So now on to the, the main event. So we got a very special speaker tonight. Uh, Dr. Ken Diller has been the faculty advisor for Seesaw here for a number of years. He's a very distinguished scientist, and uh, he's been teaching a course for a few years here called Science and the Bible. <coughs> this course, uh, some of y'all might be in it, uh, has actually won an award for a signature course here at UT. So to kind of give us a glimpse into that topic of Science and the Bible, please give a warm welcome to Dr. Ken Diller. It is great to be here. <laughs> you all should be able to appreciate what a wonderful view it is from down here. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be talking about science and the Bible. And I really enjoy talking about science. And I really enjoy talking about the Bible. But I really, really enjoy talking about science and the Bible together, okay? Uh, in many ways, that's where they belong, together. Um, a lot of people think you have to choose sides. You know, you can either be in the side of science or you can be in the side of the Bible, but trying to put your arms around both of them just doesn't work. And in fact, when I was your age, that's exactly where I was. Uh, I grew up in Ohio. Uh, I, went, I was an undergrad at Ohio State, which in many ways is uh, quite similar to UT. And uh, I would say I struggled with my faith. It's trying to be a Christian without Christ. Uh, eventually, I got into graduate school at MIT and not long after arriving, for the first time in my life, I heard the gospel preached. If I wanted to be a Christian, I had to open my heart to the Lord Jesus and ask him to come in to be my life. And when I heard that, boom, I was right up to the front to execute that process. Uh, and my wife and I did that together on the same day. Uh, and we, uh, that, that was 50 years ago, okay? And at that time, we really made a commitment uh, together and to the Lord that we were going to, in a very serious way, give our lives to the Lord, uh, to live Him and pursue Him according to the extent of the vision we had at that time for doing that. The issue was, I was in a doctoral program in the best engineering school in the world. And I had the concept, just like nearly everybody has, that uh, you're going to be compromised one way or another. I couldn't, it'd be very difficult to fully give my heart to the Lord and give myself to pursue, according to the extent of my capabilities, uh, a career is a scientist. And so nearly immediately, I began to study. I, I studied the Bible. Uh, I studied about science. That you know, is my major, and I've been studying science for a very long time, and I continue to do so. I've studied a lot of science this week. <laughs> <laughs> A professor is a very, very engaged student. There is not a week goes by that I am not learning more science. Uh, that's what research is all about. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, this, this was really difficult to figure out. I bought some books uh, that people had written about this issue of science in the Bible. Uh, that were very dissatisfying to read. And indeed, if you go to a bookstore and, and get books on this topic, uh, there are many things that uh, uh, if you maintain, want to maintain your intellectual integrity, you just can't accept a lot of the stuff that's on the market these days. 
And, and so uh, I, I've been uh, dealing with the Lord. I've had fellowship with all kinds of people, believers, non-believers about this topic, uh, literally all over the world. Uh, uh, very often, wherever I go, I end up having some kind of discussion along this line. Uh, I've, I've traveled nearly all over the world. And so I've been very, very serious about this topic. And uh, I've read my Bible, I read my Bible every day, okay? Uh, yeah, if you look at my Bible, it's just loaded with my own notes. My Bible has a lot of footnotes in it, but it's got a lot of Diller notes, too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> just speakings I get from the Lord when I'm reading my Bible that I don't want to uh, allow to escape. So I've, I've been through that book, uh, well, I, I read it every year, including all the study notes, okay? And so I, I, I can't number how many times I've read it. <clears throat> and so I'm all the time getting speaking. And uh, I'm all the time getting more and more clear about this issue of science in the Bible to the extent that uh, the sisters were asking me about my course. How in the world did I end up teaching a course at UT, full academic credit, and uh, the School of Undergraduate Studies on Science and the Bible. I see some of my students here. Hello, Camille. Hello, Grace. Where's, where's Anna? Anna was sitting. Oh, she had an exam. She just left. Anna had an exam and she had to leave. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> she was here earlier. Yeah, so I was giving a talk like this about five years ago. And uh, I remarked while I was giving the talk, uh, lots and lots of facts uh, about science and about the Bible and how they can fit together in a harmonious way. And I absolutely believe that. And uh, I made the offhanded remark that I have accumulated enough material over decades of uh, studying this topic really hard that I could teach an entire course at UT. Well, guess what? There were some freshmen in the audience. And at the end of the talk, yeah, I, I was up front, opportunity for students to come up and visit with me. And a, a small group of these freshmen came up and they said, we heard what you said. <laughs> that you could teach a whole course. Well, we challenge you to do it. Whoa. <laughs> From freshmen. <clears throat> and freshmen should, y'all should, how many are freshmen? Oh, yes. Wow, okay, great. Y'all should feel empowered in many, many ways. You can have a huge influence around this place right from the beginning. Uh, so that, Night, I went home, uh, got onto my computer, and there was an email inviting professors to uh, put together proposals for new signature courses, uh, UGS 302. And so I started to look around and see some of the courses that were offered, and I saw a lot of things that were really against the Lord, against the Bible, and Absolutely. I, I remember how strongly I got provoked in my spirit. And I saw if, if these kinds of topics can be offered to freshmen as an introduction to the university, surely the Bible can be also. And so that night, uh, <clears throat> I had an inspired interaction with the Lord and the entire course just flowed right out from my spirit, through my brain, down my arms to my fingertips, <laughs> interacting with the keyboard and my computer, and I put together the entire course. Essentially, 95% of the syllabus I pass out to you all right now. 
And I ran it by the brothers to see what they thought. And they thought, well, this seems like it might be okay. And so I submitted it. And uh, as Matt said, eventually it won an award for the best topic for a signature course. A course on the Bible. <laughs> with all study notes in it. <clears throat> and so I've been teaching that for a number of years, thanks to uh, freshmen who were bold in their spirits to speak up. I think the Lord really spoke through them. And, and so uh, I, I get asked to go around the, the country to universities now to give this kind of a talk. And I particularly enjoy giving it at UT. So our topic is science and the Bible. And y'all have a handout. Uh, and I have a limited amount of time. And so most of that handout is uh, a bunch of uh, detailed information. And guess what? I'm going to skip over nearly all of it. <laughs> and Brother Chris, can you go straight to Roman numeral 6? Okay, this is on the second page. Okay, so you can be learning something here. If you get some new material, if you're like me, you have a limited amount of time. And so you need to be able to uh, harvest the core content out of what is being presented to you uh, quickly. And if it's something that uh, is interested uh, to you and it pertains to what you're doing, then you can go back and get all the details. But I, I like to start at the end of a paper. Actually, I, I start with the title, and I hope the title is of interest. And then I'll go to the abstract, and, and there's no abstract here. And so I go right to the end and, and see what, uh, uh, after all the details, what the author says at the end about what the takeaways should be. And uh, so we have Roman numeral six, and then there's a diagram. And uh, there are some items here that I think are important to uh, realize. I call them some general points. And first is you have to put everything that I say into a proper context. Uh, People can become very passionate about the topic of science in the Bible. And believe me, uh, there are lots of people that have strong opinions. And if you don't share their very opinion, they will have a problem with you. Okay? And in fact, uh, I, I've encountered being accused of not being a true believer if I don't believe the same way some of these other people do about this. So I want to make very clear that what you believe about science and the Bible and whether they fit together and whether they don't fit together or whether you're, everything's 6,000 years old or everything's 14 and a half billion years old, that has nothing to do with your Christian faith. Okay? Uh, Personally, I'm not a 6,000-year person. Uh, <clears throat> in fact, I'm only 74. <laughs> <clears throat> however, uh, relating to how long everything has been around, uh, I, I believe what I perceive is uh, the bulk of scientific evidence, which says uh, the Big Bang happened yeah, 14 point whatever, billion years ago. And then everything unfolded thereafter under God's sovereignty to get us to the point where we are right now. I have some very, very dear friends, Christians, uh, whose friendship I esteem and value very highly, who are adamant 6,000 year people, okay? We get together, we fellowship, there is no block between us because they believe that and I believe something different. What we believe about that is between us and the Lord. In fact, my beliefs on this, I must say, are continually changing. I'm a scientist. I do research. Uh, I, I do hard, intense research 
continually. I'm all the time writing papers. I'm working on, uh, I, I've got at least two manuscripts right now that I'm trying to get out in very short order. I've got nearly 300 refereed papers. So I'm a serious scientist. And so if, if you're a scientific researcher, you're all the time learning new information. As I learn more information about this, my understanding changes. That's why you do research. That's why you learn more. And, and so uh, what, I, what I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I can tell you for sure, is different from what I would have told you 15 years ago, maybe even five years ago. I would say for sure five years ago, depending on how many details we get into. That doesn't change at all my basic Christian faith. I believe the Bible is God's word. I believe Jesus is the son of God. He is God himself, that he was incarnated. He came, he lived on earth as a man, a human life. While he was still divine, he, in a pre-programmed way, had himself crucified so he could put an end to Satan and all Satan's nonsense. Okay. While he was living on earth as a man, he was living the resurrection life. He's God. And so uh, he had himself put to death, and then he resurrected. Guess who got left behind? Satan. <laughs> and that's not fully worked out yet, but it will be in the future. Anyway, so he resurrected. And then he ascended, and he is seated on the right hand of God, and he is a life-giving spirit, and he wants to impart himself into any human being. In an initial sense, whenever that human being opens their heart to him, and then in a daily experience-by-experience experience sense, according to his economy, so that he can grow in every one of us. That's a nutshell of what my faith is, and I bet it is very well aligned with all of your faith. You can hear me say anything about science, okay? Nonetheless, I'm a scientist, and people ask me, yeah, how does science and your faith fit together? And so I have to have something to say. So I have resolved in myself in a way that I feel is zero compromise to my faith and is zero compromise to my science. Uh, where my standard is. And, and it is very well known that I am a strong believer. That has not held me behind as a scientist. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't uh, uh, practice being obnoxious about my faith, but it is not hidden. And it is very well known around UT and including upper administrators where I stand with the Lord. Nonetheless, I uh, was appointed to be uh, a department chair twice, okay? Once in mechanical engineering for about six years. Then I started the biomedical engineering department. So obviously, my faith did not hold me back. I have been elected to president or a, a equivalent president for national and international professional organizations. And it, it is very well known where I stand with the Lord. My faith has not held me back in the least as a scientist, okay? But I'm not enforcing what I believe on anybody else, okay? Key point. Number two, <laughs> uh, my objective for what you get out of this is that every one of you can be secure and confident in your faith in Christ and the Bible. Now, uh, you may not be very mature at all as a scientist. You may not know the Bible thoroughly from cover to cover. You may never have read that much about the Bible. But uh, you got a lot of years ahead of you. I encourage you strongly, read your Bible <laughs> in a regular way. Be constituted with the Word of God, okay? After having done this for half a century, yeah, I start my morning in the Word, okay? I've done it for half a century. Can you imagine 
what, uh, how, how different my insides would be if I got up and read Sports Illustrated. <laughs> Instead, every morning for 50 years. Yeah, it's, uh, let's see, Sports Illustrated, it's still a weekly, is it? Maybe we don't know, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> it used to be a weekly publication, so there's plenty there to read. And, uh, but I chose to devote myself to read the Bible, okay, and be constituted. Uh, people have attacked me, and I'm an engineer. I'm not a premier world-class orator. And so there are people who can out-argue me. What does that mean? That just means they have a stronger arguing uh, component to their being than I do. When we're all done and they claim that they won, uh, we walk away. And the main thing is my faith is not damaged. Okay, I go on. And that is my desire for all of you. UT is full of people who like to argue. UT is full of people who like to uh, show off and make other people think they're the smartest ones. Uh, UT is full of people who like to argue. Uh, my, my approach is when I encounter somebody like that, I do, I was never in the military, but I can do an about face and march in the opposite direction. <laughs> Unless I sense this person is genuinely open and receptive to hearing a, uh, a word from the Lord. And uh, so that leads me then to this, uh, well, to, to this point. You may have opportunities to lead people to the Lord. There are a lot of people walking around who... Um, have been duped. You understand that? They've been fed a false news. You know, that's a current term. That <laughs> says, if you're a Christian, that's going to corrupt your integrity as a scientist. Okay? And there are a remarkable number of people like this that if I believe in the Lord, and if I let people know about it, that's going to ruin my future as a scientist. And that is uh, the falsest of all false newses. Uh, there is no substance behind that argument, but people uh, fall victim to it. And uh, I've interacted with a lot of people who have gotten clear about that and have gotten released from the bondage of that false idea. And they realize, oh, you mean if I accept the Lord Jesus, which, by the way, I'd really like to do, uh, I can still be a scientist? Yes, indeed, you can. Good chance you'll be a better scientist. <laughs> okay? Uh, because in the Lord, if you practice becoming constituted with Christ, your mind will be renewed. And I practice having a clear mind that comes from having an exercise spirit all the time. And I cannot tell you how valuable a clear mind is as a scientist. I'm not saying I have the most brilliant mind around, but when my mind is clear, I am just repeatedly amazed with the innovative things that come out of my mind, which I have never thought of before, which have great scientific benefit. In recent years, I've, uh, well, in recent years, UT has filed with my name on them about 40 patents, okay? New stuff that has come out of my mind uh, as, it, as it's been clear. And, and so uh, to be able to be secure and confident in your faith and in the Bible is one of the outcomes. And see, the objective is not to equip you to win an argument. Win an argument doesn't do anybody any good. Okay? Whoever loses feels crummy. Whoever wins has a, a, 
an inflated sense of self-value that is of no substance whatsoever. And that's why I just don't like to get in arguments. In fact, as I sit here, I cannot remember the last time I was into a genuine, passionate argument. That doesn't mean you can't debate different sides of an issue, but to get into a personal accusations kind of thing, just not going to happen. Okay, Chris, the next one. So I'm an engineer and I like to draw diagrams. <laughs> and uh, so this diagram has evolved over uh, at least 12 or 15 years. And sidebar, I believe in evolution. If you talk to some of the members of my class, you will learn. We're, we're going to start evolution quite soon. Yep. I bet you will be amazed with what I believe. If you want to know a real expert, right here sits one, Brother Paul. He, he can, uh, you know, your PhD basically was in that field, right? Yeah, and so uh, uh, genuine science backed by facts, I have learned, will not have a problem with the Bible as long as you take the Bible in a complete way and don't extract a verse out of the Bible from the context of all the rest of the Bible and make it into something that the rest of the Bible doesn't support. More I know about science, more I know about the Bible, the more confirmed they are together. However, science and the Bible are not the same thing. And we can use both science and the Bible to understand creation. They have different viewpoints. They are what I would call complementary. Complementary spelled with an E. Okay? They give different viewpoints of the same sorts of issues. And so I know a lot of you are science majors. And so if you are a science major, what you are doing is learning how to understand processes, how things change in nature. Uh, when you do something to an object, somebody left this musical instrument up here. <laughs> Allow me to illustrate a process. What's going to happen if I throw this into the air? This is the process. Well, the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to go up because I'm going to do, I'm going to apply a force to it. And Newton's law says uh, applying a force causes a mass. This instrument is a mass, got mass, and it'll give it an acceleration and it'll go up. But it's also in the gravity field. And since it's got mass in the gravity field, gravity is going to be acting on it. And eventually it's going to come back down. Now, does anybody think I can catch this if I throw it up? <laughs> I can't tell you how many varsity letters I earned in high school. I even got a varsity letter in college. <clears throat> but that was a lot of years ago. Anyway, so you saw what happened, though. A process happened. We can describe that with, with equations. Science, you learn how the processes in nature operate. You observe them. You characterize them according to mathematics. Anybody a math major? Okay, very good. I have the highest respect for mathematics. Mathematics is an unbelievable tool that it's a single tool, and that single tool can describe everything that happens throughout the universe. One single tool. Is that remarkable? Or what? Uh, okay. And so mathematically, uh, we could have predicted uh, <clears throat> what happened. 
including my missing it. <laughs> okay, so uh, <clears throat> they may be physical processes, they may be biological processes, which are a lot more complex than uh, inanimate processes. Now, anyway, that's, that's, that's what uh, science tells us. Uh, when we view nature as a scientist, fascinating, uh, exciting to some people. Uh, from the Bible, what do we learn about nature? We learn that there is a purpose behind everything. In fact, there was a purpose before nature happened. Before the creation happened, there was a purpose. There is a reason that it even exists and has processes. That's what the Bible tells us. Purpose. <clears throat> Science does not tell us what the purpose is. Okay, And the Bible talks about some of the processes, but that's not why we have the Bible. Uh, I like to say we have the three Ps. Okay, who in my class can say what the three Ps are for what we get from the Bible? Um, person, purpose, and plan. Okay, we have the Bible. Do you agree, Camille? Yeah. Good. <laughs> <coughs> okay, you both get A's tonight. <laughs> they have A's anyway. Uh, so we have the Bible so we can know God's person. Okay. We have the Bible so we can know God has a purpose. And that is the reason behind everything. That's the reason science exists, is that God has a purpose. And not only does he have a purpose, that, that wouldn't do him much good just to have a purpose. If you've got a purpose, you want to see that purpose completed. Okay? For the completion of his purpose, God has a plan. He, he knew what that plan was before he ever started time, before there was ever a big bang. In fact, he knew all the details of his plan. Eventually, we went through lots and lots and lots of time, and uh, the earth came into being, and then more and more and more time Life came into being on the earth more and more and more time. Eventually, we got to the point where God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. God did something very special in his creation. He put man, homo sapiens, on the earth <clears throat> that matched him inwardly and outwardly. Furthermore, he breathed a spirit into that man. So man would have a spirit uniquely amongst all of his creation. No other species, nothing has a spirit. And since we have a spirit, if we exercise our will, our decision-making capability, we can ask God, who is the spirit, to come live within our spirit. Okay? So God had a plan for all this. Eventually, we even got to the New Testament when God, in fulfilling his plan, incarnated to be a human being, to live amongst his topmost part of creation so that he could really get into them in the New Testament. And that process of God getting into us the first time when we're saved and then daily experience by experience is called God's economy. And that appears numerous times in the New Testament. God has an economy. That is just his plan for dispensing himself continually more and more into every human being who is open to him and then exercised in their spirit to receive more and more. I've been living a long time. I've been a Christian a long time. I have called on the Lord. Only the Lord knows how many times. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I, I've been able as a human being to have uh, much more experience, but you all got 
lots and lots of life ahead to have more and more experience of being dispensed into. And so you'll have all sorts of events, uh, experiences that occur in your life, families, jobs, whatevers. <coughs> but the, uh, th those are just the platform for God to be adding himself <laughs> to you day by day, experience by experience. And eventually you become an old person like me, if the Lord keeps you alive this long. And you've just had a lot of depositing experiences in God's economy. And believe me, I'm not done yet. <laughs> uh, but that's what the human life is about. Okay? So the Bible tells us about the purpose. Science tells us about the process. Scientific method, you have to be able to prove things. Okay. Uh, Undoubtedly, you all took math in high school, and you, uh, undoubtedly, if you're like me, you hated doing what are called proofs. <laughs> Big part of math, but er everything in science, you have to prove it. You have to be able to document it, show that it's true. What about our experience, the Bible? It's by faith. And, and there's a list of verses on the back page that uh, back all this up. Okay, so we have proving compared to faith. Sometimes you encounter people who are not believing the same way you do, and, and they will tell you, unless you can prove God to me, I'm not going to take it. That is a uh, false way of approaching the reality of God. That is saying, I will take only the scientific side of looking at things, and I'm going to exclude everything else. That is a very, very narrow-minded viewpoint. Uh, some of the great, even scientific thinkers have said, science does not tell the entire story about understanding creation. It tells part of it, but not the whole thing. And there is, in many ways, a more real side of this related to our spirit. And so uh, anybody who says, unless you can prove it, it's not valid, uh, is not in themselves valid. Okay? That's not a valid way to look at things. It's a very narrow way. Science says the evidence has to be observable. You have to be able to measure it unless you can touch it or see it uh, with your body or with instruments, then it doesn't exist. And the Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. Okay? There are different sides of our evidence. I'll tell you, in many, in many cases, our faith is more substantial and stronger than what we contact in the physical realm. Surely our faith can be more substantial than our bank account. <laughs> or Or political leaders, or yeah, whatever you want, in the outward realm. Uh, and science tells us how things happen. Bible tells us why things happen. Very different. Science doesn't tell us why gravity exists. It says how things happen. I'm not going to drop the instrument again. <laughs> But we could repeat that experiment probably with the same results. Okay. Uh, and, uh, but science doesn't tell us why there is a gravity. It, it describes all kinds of stuff about gravity, uh, but it doesn't tell us why. And, and so some of the great 
thinkers have said that science and the Bible should not exclude one another. You know, we have science and we have the Bible and they don't block each other out. What they do is they interdigitate. You know, there's a very, very rich, harmonious interface between the two and if you have both dimensions, you have a much more complete, coherent picture of how everything works. Okay? Uh, can't talk about all of that, but uh, the bottom line is we have two different ways of looking at creation. We have science, we have the Bible, they are very different, they are in harmony, they are compatible. There is nothing that is incompatible. And I say this as a person who has been studying this at a very deep level for many, many decades, okay? Probably since before most of your parents were born, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> and, uh, and so that is how we can view from the science side and from the Bible side the creation. And uh, people know I'm a Christian. They ask me what I think about creation. And people are usually referring to the physical universe. And the Bible calls that the old creation. Now, there is a second creation, though, in the Bible. The Bible calls this the new creation. And... Uh, that's over here. And the new creation is uh, something quite recent. The new creation came into existence when the Lord resurrected. When he became the life-giving spirit to get into his people. And as we receive his life into us, we become part of the new creation. So on the one hand, we have one foot in the old creation. Here we all are with a physical body and we're living here just like unbelievers and well not just like but in, in like manner <laughs> with the unbelievers and, and uh, yeah, you can go to the doctor and the doctor uses science, medical science to understand how your body's functioning and so forth and get your blood pressure measured and see how your eyes are working and all that kind of thing. At the same time, if you are a believer, you are simultaneously in a new creation. Having the reality of God the Creator living within you and being associated with other believers who are in the same reality. To be together the body of Christ. And there absolutely is a reality to the new creation. The new creation is eternal. It's eternal in time and it's eternal in quality. Uh, life in the new creation is very different from life limited in the old creation. Uh, the old creation is what we call isolated from the creator. Everything was set in motion. And God is not tweaking the dials on how creation operates. Uh, <clears throat> when I threw up my musical instrument, if suddenly the creator had changed gravity and it stuck in the ceiling tile, or if it, it might be suspended and hanging there right now if gravity changed. That actually, that'd be a disaster. Y'all would be freaking out. I would be freaking out. <laughs> we really count on stability in our lives and environment. Otherwise, we would be psychologically upside down. Okay? Uh, and, and so we're isolated from the Creator. If you're a scientist and have studied uh, thermodynamics, that's my favorite part of science. 
the conservation laws say that the old creation is isolated from the creator. Totally different here. There's continually a supply of more of the good stuff in the new creation. Uh, and I, I put some verses down here. There is a bountiful supply. The only limitation on resources in a new creation is how much we withdraw. How much do you receive from the Lord? How much do you go to the Lord and, and initiate Him adding more of His life to you? Okay. Uh, the old creation cannot detect this. It cannot understand it at all. It doesn't make any sense. But that does not mean it's not real because it absolutely is real. Okay, so I've been watching the clock and I think I've kind of covered this message and I'm not going to ask Chris to go to any more of the details. There's lots more details there I could talk about the age of the universe, and I can talk about how man came into existence and so forth, but I think we would be better served by, at this point, turning the meeting over to you, and if you have questions. Now, I should have warned you up front. One of the main objectives I have as a professor, and I've been a professor here for 45 years, is to try and enable students to formulate thoughtful questions that expand understanding about a topic. And so I would encourage you to present questions. We can take a little time for that. Would that be correct, Chris? So if anybody would like to ask some questions, Yes. Um, do you believe in microevolution or macroevolution? And what's your reasoning? I. Enough time. <laughs> sure. Well, I just warned this crew we're going to have six lectures on evolution uh, of an hour and a half. So there's, there's a lot to be said. Uh, I, I believe in evolution that is backed up by science. So you can look at evolution macroscopically, you can look at evolution microscopically. Uh, as long as there is good science that provides data to back up whatever is being presented, then uh, I, I would say to the extent that there's a veracity of that data, it needs to be believed. Now. The data of evolution has, however, been abused over the years. It's been uh, what, what you would call extrapolated. So it's been taken to have a meaning that goes beyond what the data tell us. And that is particularly egregious when it comes to understanding how human beings exist. Yeah, this is the big uh, point of contention about whether people are willing to say, oh, I believe in evolution or I believe evolution is evil and wrong and, and so forth. <laughs> and uh, to say e evolution is all wrong, I, I think is wrong. You know, it's called throwing out the baby with the bath water. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but people, uh, oftentimes with intentions against the Lord, have taken evolutionary data and made it into something that the data doesn't support, okay? particularly related to how human beings came into existence. And uh, brilliant, brilliant scientists from around the world have been studying this issue for many, many years. 
Uh, I make it my business to uh, keep abreast with what the understanding is in that realm. And the people who are honest, okay, who don't try and make the data more than what the data actually is, say there's a gap in our understanding, okay, that is not described by evolutionary processes. Evolution is a process, very much a process. Uh, the Bible fills in that gap. Uh, that, that is addressed very, very succinctly in Roman numeral four, which, uh, which says there is a gap there. I can't remember what Roman numeral four says. Maybe Chris can get us there. Okay, so there are two, if we go to A, there are two profound characteristics of humans that are not explained by science. In other words, they are not explained by evolution. Where did humans come from nearly instantly on historic timescales? And I kept this very abbreviated, but humans with an ability to recognize the existence of a higher being and with a desire to worship that higher being, which is ubiquitous throughout cultures on earth of humans. Advanced cultures, primitive cultures, they all have this characteristic if they are human beings. Okay? They have the capacity to recognize the existence of a higher being and that gets expressed all sorts of different ways. <laughs> Uh, which anthropologists have found and documented and so forth. And, and, and when they sense the existence of a higher being, then there is a desire to worship. That's nowhere else in any species. Now, how do we get from absence of that to suddenly full manifestation of it? by any known scientific processes. Well, the honest scientists say there is a gap that is not explained. The Bible says at a certain point, God came in and uh, he did something miraculous. You know, the Bible's full of all kinds of miracles. In my mind, this is a true miracle. When God put a species on earth, building on everything he had done through all the foregoing evolution, Okay, to provide a, a great platform, he took the additional step of replicating himself. And that's how human beings with the advanced human culture, with language, that's another part, C, who taught Adam how to speak. Nobody knows how language got started. And both of those are absolutely critical to God fulfilling his purpose via his economy. So that's kind of a nutshell. I see a hand back here. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I don't understand your question. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. So, uh, when I put this here, this may not be uh, as clear as it could be, but uh, th this means what is the reason that we pursue science? The motivation for studying science and then using science as a tool is to understand how things happen. And uh, we can understand mechanistically what happens. We can use that understanding to predict uh, how things are going to happen if we do certain things to a system. Okay? And, and so the motivation or the reason behind why people pursue science is to understand how things occur within creation. Uh, you observe what goes on under control conditions. You make measurements, put together theories, test the theories and other situations, and, and eventually you get more and more of a picture of how things are going on. And once you have that picture, then you can use that information to predict 
what's going to happen. And so we use that for design. Why is very different. Okay. Uh, singularity points, woo. Okay, uh, I haven't taken a course in physics for uh, about 54 years. <laughs> physics has come a long way since then. Uh, I, I'm not equipped to stand here and talk about singularities. That's the, that's uh, there's a lot I'm not equipped to stand here and talk about. Nobody knows everything about everything. Hardly anybody knows everything about it, any one thing. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so what you have to, uh, 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 well, you don't have to do anything. I would encourage you, <laughs> I would encourage you to consider the three Ps. Okay, what we're looking for here is who God is, what he is like, what his purpose is, and how he's going about getting his purpose. And, uh, a lot of very thoughtful people, including myself, think between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 there was a huge passage of time, uh, billions of years, in which many things happened that were not aligned with God's purpose. You know, we have the rebellion of Satan and all kinds of, uh, of things to, in an effort to supplant God and his number one position within creation. Okay, so lots of not so good stuff happened. Eventually, in order to accomplish his purpose, God took steps to recover the stuff that had been all messed up. And uh, that is described in the six days. And those six days, in that process of recovery, uh, when you look at the, the status, you know, we got light and then we have waters and dry land being separated from the waters and the various life forms and so forth. God always says it's good. When he got to the point where he got humans into his creation with the capacity to receive his life, express him and exercise his dominion by their free will within the context of his creation. That is when he said what you read in verse 31 of chapter 1. Very good. And so, yes, indeed, there's all kinds of uh, unpleasant aftermath around from bad things that happen. But God knew that he had achieved the linchpin step and being able to accomplish his purpose eventually, and that is to have man. So he said, very good. He wasn't looking at all the negative fallout that had occurred. He was looking at having human beings who could receive his life and by that overcome all the damage that Satan had wreaked into his creation in the meantime. Okay, so that's, if you have a second question, I need to be sure I'm not putting off somebody else. I'll, I'll be around afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so you talk a lot about how, uh, you know, faith and science can coexist, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, what specifically inspires you to faith? And this isn't meant to be some uh, challenge so much as it is I'm curious about this, because I, I always enjoy hearing about what drives other people to faith? What, what inspires me to faith? 
Uh, I, I could talk about my first inspiration when I opened myself to receive the Lord. Is that what you mean or, or on a daily basis? Okay. So, um, I, gr I grew up in Ohio of very humble means in uh, a low education environment. Struggled when I first went to college and worked really hard. Uh, I had to transfer to Ohio State and eventually I graduated with honors and I applied to and got admission to MIT to get my doctorate in engineering. And uh, I brought with me my brand new wife. <clears throat> and so on the one hand, I thought, my, I've really got a fast track to where I want to be ahead of me. You know, this is a, a wonderful opportunity, and we're going to uh, get after it together, my wife and me, and uh, have a wonderful life. Okay. So I got to MIT, and that place was full of the greatest thinkers in my field in the world. And I started to know, you know without saying anything uh, specifically about any given individual, I saw what their human life was like apart from being world-famous scientists. And my wife saw it too. Uh, we lived in campus housing the first year, mar married student housing on campus. And it wasn't very long until my wife said, I'm very concerned. I do not want us to be headed in the same direction I'm seeing with the other successful people that had made it to the top of the heap and had a certain kind of living. And, and there's more to living than being successful professionally. Okay, that, that's what it comes down to. And uh, so that really got us set up to be open to hear the gospel for the first time. We had both grown up uh, professing Christians without ever receiving the Lord. Okay? And when we heard that you could take an additional step and receive God's life into you, that just resonated with both of us. And my wife and I uh, met together at the altar. She was in one area of this great big uh, building and I was in a different area and we came together because we realized there was something missing beyond just being on a fast track to professional success. There was something deeper within us to experience than that and um, so I, I, I would say that is my daily experience now, the manifestation of that after the, the Lord has been growing within me for a half a century. Okay? That motivates me every morning. That's why I get up and right away before I get involved professionally, I am in the Bible. And I am just not doing something out of a duty. I am soaking up the content. <laughs> To whatever my capacity is that morning. Okay? And so that's what drives me in my faith. Yeah, let's see, you had a question? Uh, yes. One of the things of uh, Christians and science, one of the criticisms I hear a lot is like the God of the gaps, you know, where it's almost an excuse for what we don't know. That's one of the criticisms I hear a lot. What do you think would be the best way to uh, counter that or maybe avoid coming off that way? Yeah. So the absence of data does not prove something. And that's the criticism of the God of the gaps without getting into details to explain it to the whole audience. And um, the way I view that is uh, I, I, I have uh, a reconciliation of what I know scientifically as far as that goes, but science is far, far, far from explaining everything, okay? Uh, one of the books we use in my course 
is by a premier scientist from the University of Cambridge who explained how true science works, called The Art of Scientific Investigation by Dr. Beveridge. It was written about 60 years ago. I recommend it, but you can check with the students if they think it's worth reading. <laughs> it blows people's mind as to what, what real discovery level science is, not the cookbook science that is pre-programmed that you get the same result 100,000 other people who have run some elementary experiment do. But what happens with science who are scientists who are working on the, the cutting edge of knowledge? There is a tremendous amount of faith involved there, okay? Uh, and intuition, a lot of the same things that you experience spiritually uh, in, its, in an appropriate way translate over to being a cutting edge thinking scientist. And so uh, personally, I, I, don't, I don't have any problem having faith in my scientific hypotheses. I, I, weekly, I have meetings with my PhD students and postdoc who, together with me, we are working on solving some uh, of the most advanced understanding of certain aspects of how the human body works. In, in my lab, we invent uh, medical devices to save people's lives or help them do better, whatever. And uh, trying to figure out what is going on when we're trying new things is non-trivial. And we work for years on this and you make progress bit by bit and you have to continually modify your hypothesis, but you have to have faith and as much of what you understand is what you got your arms around right now, and then you just try to keep pushing things forward. And um, so when people talk about the God of the gaps in a negative way, in a, in a sense, you could say that's a naive perspective on how real science works. Yeah, we don't need to know 100% of everything to have working, operating theories and so on, and, and we don't know 100% of everything that's gone on since the Big Bang. Nonetheless, we can, at least from my side, we can live in total uh, harmony, inward harmony, no conflicts. Uh, I have gone past my a lot of time. I'm not sure who's in charge, but Chris is standing up. Is this? <laughs> <laughs>